Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Mary Carrillo. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So day four and Catherine Whitaker and myself are back in the hotel lobby and we're just trying to digest over two massive beers what has been going on today at the US Open. This is the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Amazon Prime Video, the home of the US Open in the UK. Catherine has been presenting all day. We've had loads of tennis, but we have had yet another enormous talking point. Uh, We did start this podcast once about half an hour ago, but uh, on the way back to the bus, I fell over so uh, uh, that sort of interrupted the the, uh, the, the recording uh, so we're back now I've been nursed back to health and Catherine how's your day been wouldn't be a US Open podcast without a bit of walking to the bus drama would it um, <laughs> my day has been I mean an utter I mean extraordinary really I, I mean I feel exhilarated and exhausted all at the same time I mean kind of for a well, for either of us in our roles, it's an absolute dream to have such a meaty talking point as what <laughs> Nick Kyrgios and Mohamed, well, more Mohamed Leani has provided us with today, let alone the tennis and everything, you know, incredible battle from Angelique Kerber, all the rest of it. Um, so it's kind of a dream, um, but also <laughs> elements of it are, are, are displeasing. Yes, well, I'll tell you what, let's share the storytelling of this uh, of this particular event. I'll, I'll describe what went on, because I was commentating at the, at the time on BBC Radio. So, Nick Kyrgios is playing. Nick Kyrgios is 6-4, three love down against Pierre Ugebert, and it's all going wrong. Kyrgios is doing what he often does, which is look disinterested, not dialed in in the slightest. Catherine, you seem to want to say something here. I just don't want you to downplay it because he was... uh, I didn't see the first set. We were sort of alerted to the fact that there was a Kyrgios being Kyrgios event happening on court number 17. Um, And he was hitting single-handed backhands. He was not running for shots. He was kind of... I mean, he was doing his thing where he basically says I'm going to tank this you know like he did against Borna Choric and ended up coming back to to win it um and uh, against Del Potro in Cincinnati it, it it was you know I suppose by curious standards it wasn't that extravagant, but it, w- it was more than just looking slightly disinterested can, can I say as well when I came into the commentary box at that point it was already 
first set over. We hadn't started commentating on that match yet. We hadn't actually come on air yet. What I witnessed in the first three or four games of that second set made me so angry watching. And you know what a a defender of Nick Kyrgios I am and what a fan of his uh, I am and and I and I often excuse his behavior when sometimes I shouldn't I got so furious I I I I wanted to tell him to sling his hook frankly and get out of the US Open if that's your attitude go and get lost I I can't be doing with this um at that point Mohamed Leani came down onto the court I think it was at 3 love and I think it was 4-1 Okay, so this is the situation. And, and the gist of it, now I understand what the, the protocol normally would be is on the understanding that... Sorry, it was three love. Okay. He came down from his chair and he stood over Nick Kyrgios. And the gist of what I thought was going on, because I couldn't hear it all at the time, was that he was basically warning him that if you don't buck your ideas up, you're going to be in trouble with the rules because you're not giving your best effort. And that is a requirement on the tour, isn't it? However, this was a really protracted position, uh, situation. Even just visually, you could see him standing over and it looked like on the women's tour when a, a coach comes onto the tour and they, they, they crouch down and basically start giving an on-court coaching session. And the things that Mohamed Lani was heard to say, and it was, it was not all audible, but there was quite a bit of it audible. What, what, can you perhaps give us a couple of highlights? Yeah, I mean, yes, I absolutely can. I mean, what we definitely know was heard, and um, I, I, I won't quote anything. That, that I mean, there are several things that we think we heard, but due to the quality of the audio probably shouldn't be quoted but what we definitely know was heard was heard was i want to help you i want to help you i've seen your matches you're great for tennis i can see that i know this is not you mm. Mm. yeah i mean now what i think Mohamed lani was doing and he's an umpire who i know quite well i think he's a great guy really nice person i think he is a very good umpire but what i think he was trying to do is effectively counsel and cajole a performance out of Nick Kyrgios for the sake of the occasion, for the sake of the integrity of the game, for the sake of all those people that were there that were starting to boo uh, and, and just get him to dial in and be a tennis player rather than an idiot, which is what he was being. Now, thereafter, after he left, the facts are the score turned around completely and Nick Kyrgios ended up winning the match well, he, he took took a tie-break. He turned it around from exactly that moment. Yeah, it, t- it took a tie-break, but, but he won quite comfortably thereafter. Sorry, actually, actually, no, I just should just revise what I said. What happened was he at the end of that discussion, he said, oh, I'm going to call the trainer, and then he did call the trainer at the next change of ends uh, for one. The trainer didn't seem to do anything at all. Kyrgios said, there's nothing wrong with me. Can you look at my, my wrist? The trainer said, there's nothing wrong with your wrist. Um, and... Uh, that was that, but so four one. Then it went to five two, and then there was the fight back. Yes. Um, now, I, I know some people feel that. Well, hold on, Pierre Gobert didn't hold it together, and he threw his serve in five times, and and so forth. But the fact of the matter is that the match turned around in terms of of, of the way it went. It it. We then had after they left the court, we had. Uh, Nick Kyrgios asked about it 
uh, and he said, oh, you know, he just came and he, he down to talk to me and he, he didn't say much, but he just sort of said you need to need to try harder or, or whatever it was or how are you feeling. We then had a USTA statement put out in which the gist of what they said... Well, shall I read you some, some highlights? Do please. They, they basically just narrated what their account... The, the, uh, presumably an account they've, they've settled on of events uh, as a result of speaking to whoever they felt they needed to speak to. And so they talked about the circumstances, the fact that it was three love, Mohamed Leani came down of his chair, quote, because of the noise level in the stadium during the changeover to make sure he could communicate effectively with Kyrgios. Fair enough. I've got no issue in principle with umpires coming down the, from the chair to communicate a message that they need to communicate. Fine. Leoni was concerned that Kyrgios might need medical attention. Leoni told Kyrgios that if he was feeling ill, that the tournament could provide medical help. He also informed Kyrgios that if his seeming lack of interest in the match continued, that as the chair umpire, he would need to take action. He again suggested to Kyrgios that he could receive medical attention. And at the next treat, uh, changeover, Kyrgios down one four did receive treatment from the physio. Now, all of that stuff might have been said, <laughs> but the, let's just say those weren't the highlights of of the discussion. Well, they've missed out all the the bits that you read out, really, mm. which were which were which were the bits that people are taking issue with. Yes, because the the accusation and the, and the the bit that's uncomfortable is that he was basically helping Nick Kyrgios deal with the situation, uh, and and it felt like he was cajoling him and trying to get him playing. Well, that's coaching. That's not, or at the very least, that, that is not the delivery of just a, you need to put your best effort in or you're going to get fined or you're going to get warned, which is really the job. Absolutely. Well, shall I share with you the, the thoughts of Pierre Rugebeau, who was quite strong in his press conference, but has obviously subsequently really digested um, the sequence of events and has released a statement this evening about the matter. He said, after my loss in the second round of the US Open against Nick Kyrgios and the controversy that followed, I feel like I needed to give my point of view. First of all, I didn't hear the discussion between Leoni and Nick, and it did not affect me at all on the court he's referring to. Um, Nick, from his side, is not to blame as he did not ask for anything, but his behaviour and motivation on court changed from this moment and then he dominated the match. On the other hand, after seeing the video, I am angry against the umpire. He should not go down of his chair, out of his chair and try to reason with Nick. Did this action affect the game? We will never know. I am even more upset against the statement of the USDA that is clearly, clearly taking us for fools. We all hear on the video what the umpire said to Nick overpassing his functions. I think he means sort of surpassing the 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 confines, the, the brief of his job. Um, error is human, but I still await explanations. When we players are making mistakes on court, we are sanctioned. Now, I have to say that first and foremost, I, I've never seen anything remotely like that on the court. And... Everybody is prefacing their views on this with how much they like Mohamed Leani, how popular he is. I share that. He seems like a lovely man. I think he's a fantastic umpire, or has been up until today. But I think that's irrelevant. I mean, I think what he did today, if he weren't a chair umpire, was a wonderful thing to do. If he weren't a chair umpire in the middle of a match, I think it was very impactful. You know, if somebody can get through to Nick Kyrgios, communicate the message that he was trying to communicate brilliant he's absolutely right he could be great for the sport if if you know somebody's arm around the shoulder can do them 
but all of that is completely besides the point. It's not just not part of his job to do that. It is explicitly, fundamentally prohibited from his job. I mean, he is unable to perform his job if he shows any signs of 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 bias or of favoritism and that is precisely what he did today and and it it doesn't stop me liking him generally I th- as i say but i think it was and that's even if it wasn't intentional i don't think he was trying to influence the outcome no. of the match or anything like that but he he kind of did doesn't matter what or he certainly doing. might have done it doesn't matter what his intention was. He he's done this job long enough to to surely have known, and and the fact that he's he's never done anything like that before, he would have known that he was acting beyond his brief. Um, and whether that's you know him trying to be a rock star and thinking I can do this, I can bend the rules a bit, a little bit for the greater good of the game. And I don't doubt that the greater good of the game was a large part of his motivation. However, I I. I don't see how he can continue to perform that role. I really don't. It's not. I don't want to to grind the acts against him. As I say, like I, 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 it would really sadden me to see the demise of a great umpire. But I just don't see now how he can continue. I, I mean, how can he ever? If I were Pierre Gebert, this in this incident is sort of hits all of my injustice buttons. I would be incandescent with rage it's, he's lucky that Pierre Gebert didn't hear any of it on the court because well, I don't know I mean he seems like a lovely mild-mannered kind of a guy and we'll come on to, to to that being a factor in a minute because Roger Federer said well this it wouldn't have happened if uh, I had just, opponent on just the court. to say Roger Federer's response and he came in straight afterwards now having beaten uh, his opponent Benoit Paire in three straight sets Roger Federer asked about this said it's not the umpire's role to go down from the chair. You don't go and speak like that, in my opinion. He was there far too long. Conversations can change your mindset. And those are the key words, really, aren't they? That, that's the issue here, is that you know, having a conversation like that can influence a match. And maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but I mean, it's at the very least a coincidence. Yeah, and it kind of doesn't matter whether it influenced the match, does it? Because the fact is, he did something which which could did did something which, in itself, regardless of consequence, was so completely wrong. As I say, it's not it, it's not like just committing a a slight violation of one one rule that's in the small small print of your job. It is so so fundamental to his job that he remain he remains. Uh, certainly perceived as unbiased. I don't know how he can get that back. Hold I, on a minute. As I say, I don't, I'm not out for his blood, or I don't. I don't want to see bad things happen from to him. But I don't see how I don't see how he can get back the thing that he needs to be able to do his job now. Okay. Well, Andy Roddick has tweeted. He said, "So first off, Leani is a good man who genuinely cares about people. I really like him as a human. He did something he shouldn't have." This is behaviour we should see more of these days. Unfortunately, it was the wrong time and place for it. Selfishly, I hope they go easy on it. Now, I, I don't agree with you. I, I, I mean, in, in terms of the severity with which I would want to deal with him about this issue, I just want to get to the bottom of what you actually think he should be having done to him, sanction-wise. 
I don't know what sanctions are available, and we are still awaiting to, to be clear. So we've had that USTA statement, but the USTA have also confirmed that the matter is still under investigation. That's not that statement isn't the end of the matter. So I don't I don't know what category this would fall under. Whether they have you know whether it would fall under the gross misconduct category. Um, I don't know what categories they have available to them, and I don't know what sanctions are available for each category of offence, as it were. But as a, and, and I don't see it in terms of like punishment. I just don't know how. I just can't. I just don't know how he can do it. Like, how can he? I would. I could, would you not have a problem with him umpiring your match? I would. I mean, it's all honestly, personally. I, I think my view would be that if he realizes the problem, if it is made plain to him, look, this is what you did. This is the problem. You are going to, as a result of it, have to be sanctioned um i i would like to think that i would actually well, accept that that somebody can make a mistake and frankly needs to pull his head in and just follow the rules and the rules are yes by all means come out and and say to the guy listen i don't think you're giving your best effort stop doing that otherwise i'm going to have to default you um if if it is made a, i think maybe the situation is that he's just allowed um, himself to become a little too relaxed in that particular role because he's put his personal interpretation I, on what his role is. I think that that's what's happened here. I agree. Now, he, he's got himself in trouble as a result of it because he's made a, a really bad call. He's made a really bad decision. But I do feel that that's a question, therefore, of just saying, making sure he realises that is not on and you don't do it again, mate. And and then I do think, I, th- I think he's got enough good credit in the bank whereby people will accept that well you you could well be right and and the completely you know the the andy roddick side of me that agrees that he's a lovely guy hopes that you're right i just can't personally see it i i i just people make mistakes absolutely and as i say it's not about punishment i'm not out for his blood i don't i don't want to see the guy punished i just don't see how he can do his job now. I think I, if, I he, if he was doing it intentionally, that would be different no, to me. No, because that makes it more about punishment. It's almost as if it's sort of unintentional and his his bias is like creeping out. In, 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 I don't, I don't, see, I don't see it as bias. intention. I don't see, Come on. No, I don't see it as intention. would he do that with? I don't think he is thinking, I want to help. You're, you're good for tennis. I mean, again, I'm very sympathetic with that sentiment. He is good for tennis. Mohamed Leoni loves tennis and wants the best of tennis. Like, best for tennis. Well, you know, that's lovely. But, uh, I, I, yeah. I, think I mean, I would, if, I were, if he were umpiring my match, I'd be thinking, does, does he think I'm good for tennis? Does he, want, <laughs> does, does he want me to win less because I'm not very good for tennis? I don't know. I just, I feel like the something is broken that can't I don't know maybe I'm big I hope I'm wrong I hope I'm wrong I think you're taking hope, that a bit too seriously and if lots of players seriously. come out and say look if the guy if the guy totally accepts I'm I think the USDA statement here is a complete spanner in the works because just say calling hashtag fake news and saying what we know happened didn't happen is an absurd way to deal with the incident and I suspect there will be follow-up from the USDA. That is unhelpful. They should have just stayed out of it and said that we are looking into it until such a point as they'd actually come to their decision. And look, if players come out and say, I get it, he's held his hands up, I 
I tr- he's got, as you say, he's got enough credit in the bank for us to be able to trust him going forward. I'm fine with that. I'm fi- I mean, I still, I, I guess there still has to be some kind of official sanction, as Pierre Rugobert points out. You know, the players are subject to those when they break the rules, and the umpire should be too. And if, yeah, I guess if the players back him on the majority, in the majority, then, then yeah, it, it's salvageable. But I, I, I personally question whether it is otherwise though i'm fine with it being salvageable otherwise what i mean catherine look how many times nick kyrgios has done things that he's done including what he said to um to to stan vavrenka including what he did when he tanked that match um you know we, we he's punished he's told and you hope that that makes a difference you don't throw away the key um and the other thing here is that this is a completely this whole incident is completely distracting away from the fact that Nick Kyrgios was tanking a second round US Open match and that's appalling his behaviour was appalling um, and the fact that all of this happened and the fact that everyone has pretty much agreed that Nick himself was blameless in this incident that he didn't solicit that assistance from Mohamed Leoni has deflected from the completely separate issue of the fact that Nick Kyrgios was tanking a second round Grand Slam match and it's it's appalling it's not good enough we know the reasons he does it we I'm sympathetic with a lot of them but yeah we can't spend another whole podcast psychoanalyzing Nick Kyrgios and Molly Coddling you know my feeling if his he it's a defense mechanism if you don't try you can't fail and he's afraid of failing the funny thing is as angry as I was and I, I don't think I've ever been more angry and, and, and he's done worse but I think it's just the incremental build-up really of of, of behavior uh, on court uh, uh, that, that just got to me and, and obviously I think maybe this sits the past because I still I still love the guy I don't know why but I just do and I just love watching him still because what happened in later on in that match he played a couple of rallies he he was nice to a ball kid and I ended up thinking Oh, all right then. Yeah, it's like it's like you're you really boisterous, sort of unruly, badly behaved kid, and you're angry at them, and you want to teach them a lesson, and yet you still can't stop loving them. This is I have to give credit to um, my brother uh, for this analogy, um, but he's the naughty kid at school that the teachers secretly love. That it, it is it, it's him, and we we do cut him too much slack. Mohammed Leoni clearly cuts him too much slack. Um, and yeah, it's good egg syndrome is what I always call it. That sort of that sort of fundamental deep down feeling that someone is a good good egg, and that See, that buys them an awful lot of credit. I, we, do, I, we do it with Andy Murray. You yeah, know? well, yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know if it is that good. I don't even know. I don't know the guy. I don't know whether he's a good egg. Yeah, but you just get a feeling, as I say, a good egg feeling isn't necessarily scientific it's just a feeling that someone is a good and it can can be wrong sometimes you can like a rascal though can't you as well that that isn't necessarily always a good boy and sometimes is really naughty but you just kind of love him anyway naughty kid at school that the teachers love yeah Yeah. incidentally uh i mentioned um stan varenka um one of the first people that actually made public comment about this uh this video footage was donna vekic yeah, and <laughs> he 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 and Nick Kyrgios responded first. She said she said I didn't know they were allowed to give pep talks, uh, umpires. And he responded by retweeting it with the comments, uh, trolling her for you know oh, and you would know having lost in this 
already lost in the US Open or something, deleted that within a minute and then put up another response that was sort of equally trolly. That stuff, for me, lessens the credit, lessens any impact of good egg syndrome. I have to say perhaps wrongly all of that the the bullying of Sitsipas and that sort of online trolley snarky slightly mean stuff lessens the good egg syndrome he then put a third one up he then put a third one up in which uh, he he said I I shouldn't have tweeted so quickly after the match now I actually have a little he did it twice I know. He did. He I had, do. Look, he had two attempts. I do have a little bit of sympathy with that because I think sometimes one, the the worst thing you can do when you're when you're hot and bothered and angry is tweet. <laughs> I agree, and he realised the error of his ways and deleted it. And you know, you forgive a mistake, but you don't forgive the same mistake twice in the space of twenty minutes. Do no, you? Uh, I mean, the the one little fu- slightly funny thing about this is that about an hour later. Stan Varinka then tweeted, shh, with a picture of himself with a T-shirt that said, silence, silence, silence. Yeah, and do you know what else we haven't mentioned? The fact that Nick Kyrgios said when he was asked about his uh, meeting with Roger Federer uh, in round three, he said, I'm going to compete my ass off. And you know that he bloody will. And we'll all love it. He's going to do his, try his darndest for every single point and we'll all be going oh isn't it great isn't it brilliant you know it's going to be an absolute classic of a match because I think they've only ever played one set that hasn't gone to a tie break and we're all going to think he's the bomb again <laughs> and, and yeah I, I just you t- you did that one other time yeah yeah same here uh, <laughs> that really sort of sums it up doesn't it When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Right, well, that's taken 24 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We've got five minutes left to talk about the rest of the day. What else happened? You, you mentioned uh, Angelique Kerber. Shall I rattle through it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kerber, unexpectedly taken to three sets, was in complete control, served for the match twice in the second set against Johanna Larsson of Sweden, got taken into a decider, um, really topsy-turvy decider. Really, it was one of those that really felt like it could have gone either, either way. It wasn't a foregone conclusion. She kept breaking the Larsson serve. And every time you thought, okay, that, you know, the, the normal service will resume now. And she kept on getting broken back. Um, but I think that given Kerber's track record, this win, this dogfight could be the making of her tournament. Because let's look back at the first Grand Slam she won, Australian Open. She's match points down to Misaki Doi in the opening round. You know, she... she she produces her greatest stuff as a result of coming through a dogfight. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think in the moment it was bad news, <laughs> but after the fact, it's good news for Kerber. Yeah, I, I'm tr- still trying to work out what what happened because she was six two five two up, and and I was watching that, and it was honestly it was a non-event of a match until that point. Well, we were uh, watching it in in the studio, Daniela, Greg, and I. And Daniela sort of let out this deep sigh and looked over me, and she said, "You know what the most annoying thing in the world is when your opponent is down and out, and then they loosen up, they've got nothing to lose, and then they damn well start beating you." And she she called it. You know, she could see her visibly loosen up. And obviously, simultaneously, the person in control starts tightening up. And it's a tale as old as time in tennis, isn't it? Tale as old as time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but now... Guys, luckily, there's only four... <laughs> we've only got four minutes left. Yeah, I can fit a lot of singing into that four minutes. Um, the the other one I was going to mention, it, kind of similar watching Federer against Pear, because... Pear goes through, through these undulations of interest, and he has some really dark times on a tennis court at times, just Benoit Pear, where I don't like watching it. You know, he's a wonderful talent. He, it's exciting tennis, but when he gets dark and, and, and down, it's not a, not a place I want to be um, with Benoit Pear. And, and, and what happens, it seems to me, this is just my, my sort of amateur psychiatry at work here, which is... He plays this match, he tries, he loses the first set, then he gets absolutely crazy and, and, and we see the nastiness. Then he goes down heavily in, in set two for a while, pulls himself together, makes it respectable, loses the set, gets into set three, gets down a break and basically just realises I ain't going to win. And then he loosens up and then he starts playing extraordinary tennis and then he's just basically a peacock and he's getting the crowd on his side, but he knows he's not going to win. There was never a moment today where I, I, I really believed that Ben Marpair believed. Not a moment. I always, I was, I find him a very frustrating watch, David. I really do. I can only imagine how sort of the French press feel about watching Ben Marpair, especially in the context of this generation of fantastically talented French men that just seem 
seem dedicated to not delivering on their talent. Um, Go on, feast lost uh, today in retirement <laughs> six two five four right to Kenish should say that I'm particularly frustrated with Ben Mopay because I don't think Federer was that great today. 30, no. 39 unforced errors. It's so different in the daytime, though, isn't it? It is different in the daytime. In so many I mean, ways. Let's face it, the last uh, time he played daytime here at the US Open, he was taken to five sets by Mikhail Eugeny. So, look, the fact that he got through in three sets against a potentially dangerous opponent, I, I don't read, and let's face it, his match against Kyrgios will be night session. Yeah. But uh, so... Uh, I there's no, there's no theatrical much. feel in the no. day session, is there? It's all a bit... It was a flat match. It was yeah. weird. It wasn't one of those sort of fl- uncompetitive matches where Federer's just being brilliant and everyone's sort of silent and in awe. It was like, Federer's good, but it's not majestic and sort of poetic and enough to carry a whole match. It's just kind of, oh, this is a quite boring, uncompetitive match. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, that sums it up to me. Um, we also had uh, victory for Yelena Ostapenko. She came back from a set down against Taylor Townsend. Alexander Zverev just continues his progress uneventfully. And that is exactly what Ivan Lendl is here for. Absolutely. He's only once before in a slam won his opening two rounds in straight sets. So this is big, uh, especially in the conditions. All about energy conservation for him. He has to be looking... Um, at the bigger picture in the long term. I've seen him on the practice court with Lendl a few times and I've been terrified by the look in Lendl's <laughs> eye. Um, so, hey, maybe he'll need another couple of slams to to work the real magic, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past the two of them to to work the magic this time. Well, I've got Zverev in the final, so uh, I certainly think he's going to work the magic. Somebody else who's working the magic is Novak Djokovic, 6-1-6-3 up against Tennis Sangren at the moment. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how he gets on tomorrow, no doubt. But that is just about the size of it for the tennis podcast today. Hang on a second. Other things have happened today, David. Like what? Can I rush you through a few things? Sabalenka won, and she is going to play Petra Kvitova oh, yeah. in the third round. Sabalenka Kvitova, third round. Who's winning that? Oh, not the tennis balls. No. <laughs> um, I think Sabalenka's winning that. No way. Yeah. Kvitova's yeah. winning the tournament. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, obviously that could go either way, but I've got Sabalenka winning that. Sasnovic knocked out Kazakina. That was the biggest seed to fall today. Um, the 11th seed. Osaka lost two games in her victory. No one's talking about her. You and just did. She talked after India, uh, the win in Indian Wells, or a few months after the win in Indian Wells, about how much... She struggled with the pressure after winning Indian Wells. How, yeah, she spoke very candidly actually um, about all of that, about kind of uh, finding her feet in the tennis world again. And kind of as a result of that, everyone sort of backed off her and gone, okay, let's leave Naomi Osaka alone for a while. Maybe she needs a bit more time. And maybe that's exactly what she needs to not need a bit more time. Because, yeah, she was brilliant today. She was, right. Tomorrow, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Starts at 12 o'clock local time, so 5 p.m. in the UK. Sloane Stevens against Victoria Azarenka. Honestly, we have got so much good stuff in the it's third ridiculous. round. I, I tell you what, unless the second week is a ridiculous letdown, this is a brilliant Grand Slam. Best third round of a Grand Slam ever, if you look at all the draws. Prove me yes. wrong. At Tennis Podcast, you've got a better one. Sloane Stevens against Victoria Azarenka. Serena Williams against Venus Williams, for goodness sake. That's the evening session match. Um, Rinka Raonic. Is it? 
Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And and also Nick Kewis against Roger Federer. That's uh, the day after. But anyway, after Steven Zazarenko, it's Rafael Nadal, Karen Hatchinov. Uh, we've got one Martin Del Potter against Fernando Vadasco. That could have been Andy Murray. Imagine if that... Anyway, isn't. Uh, that's the last one. Let go, David. Let All right, go. we'll try and let go. Uh, we've on Louis Armstrong court, Barbara Stritzova against Elise Mertens. That's a good match. Uh, Wang against Svitolina. Shapovalov against oh. Anderson. If anybody hasn't seen the slow motion video of Denis Shapovalov hitting a single handed backhand with both feet off the ground, um, just set aside half an hour in your day today and improve your and life. Make sure you watch it on, on loop because I know uh, we wax lyrical about Shapovalov, but I don't, I don't care whether you like the guy or not. If you don't enjoy that three seconds, of visual poetry then you don't like tennis uh, i mean i i, I genuinely i tweeted today that i um i'd spent 10 minutes watching it on a loop it's only a three second video clip and i i mean obviously it was a slight exaggeration but i don't think it was i did sort of fall into a little bit of a trance yeah because what you do is you watch it and you th- there's part of you that's thinking wow and there's also part of you thinking how is he actually doing that? Yeah. Has somebody, like, photoshopped this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah, I, I've, I'm falling into that chance again. Um, I have a feeling that Shapovalov might pull off the upset, but then I also have a similar feeling that Kevin Anderson might win the US Open. So I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that one. <laughs> right, well, I'm going to go Shapovalov to win. I don't know why, but it's just come to me. Probably won't happen. There we are. Catherine, lovely to talk to you. Go and uh, rest up ahead of your uh, early start tomorrow. This has been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, with Amazon Prime Video UK, who will be on air in the UK from half an hour before play starts tomorrow. So 3.30, Catherine does this amazing pre-game show for half an hour. Chats to Daniela Hantikova and all these other people and show all sorts of features and talk about what's coming up and they'll be going over all this stuff. It'll be amazing. Uh, and then we are also... Uh, uh, executive produced by Melanie Bowes, by Tennisports.com, by Triple S. How can I forget Triple S? Uh, Charlie the mascot, our ferret, uh, and of course, La Manga Club is our sponsor. We'll see you tomorrow. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.